and welcome to Never Seen It. Uh, we're gonna watch another movie today that we haven't seen, cause that's what we do here. And I'm Betsy, and this is my husband Trent. Hello Betsy. Hello Trent. So today, the film we will be watching is That Thing You Do. And the person who hasn't seen this film, unfortunately for him, is my <laughs> husband Trent. Yeah. So Trent, That Thing You Do. It's 25 years old this this fall. Why have you not seen this movie? Uh, you know, you come from a much more, let's just call it musically oriented family. <laughs> Fair enough. And back in the day, I never really watched a ton of movies. Like when I, when I was a kid, um, you know, we never really went to a lot of movies uh, we we owned a decent number for you know a family of okay. that of that time a, a few VHSs and you know, like Disney movies here and there but it, back in that in that time the movies we watched were like on cable okay you know it, it was like the Disney Saturday night Saturday night movie of the week and ABC <laughs> that, yeah that's that's what I mean the, the the ABC Saturday night movie of the week was our, like, family movie night. You know, this is a movie I, I don't think I was really ever exposed to. Okay. Uh, I know precious little about it. Well, what do you know about it? It is a musical. Okay. To, 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 to some extent, it is musically... It's about music. It is musically oriented. Okay. For sure. Uh, I know Tom Hanks... Has a huge role in this. Mm -hmm. I believe he might have actually directed this, mm -hmm. if I'm if I'm remembering correct. Um, yeah, I, I I assume based on the actual title, it's based in the '60s. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's that's about the extent of it. So honestly, I, I I know next to nothing about this movie, and you. Betsy, you've been wanting me to, to watch this movie for a good long time. Yes. Um, this is a beloved movie in my family. Yeah, and I kind of figured that. <laughs> we, if you, if you were to turn around right now, you would notice the soundtrack for this film in my CD <laughs> collection behind you. Okay. Um, this is one we've watched many, many, many times, and there are some running jokes that you will probably, I have to imagine that you will hear them say some joke or some reference in this movie that, that you've heard, heard you your family say. someone in my family mentioned before or yeah. you've seen us posted on each other's Facebook walls or something. Okay. Um, but it's yes. It's a comedy, I, I assume. Yes. In some capacity. Tom Hanks. Yep. From and, back then, that's basically comedy. And you are correct. This is Tom Hanks' directorial debut. All right. All right. Um, yeah. Without giving too much away about yeah. it, um, that is... That is the big, I think the reason most people know this movie is because okay. he directed it. How did you come to know this movie? I have no idea. This is just one of those movies that I think, I have to imagine my parents saw it and then bought it or okay. they rented it. Um, I don't know that I necessarily saw it the year it came out. I remember being at my grandma's house and she had satellite and... 
with that, you could watch like the first couple of minutes to a movie, but then it would stop playing. You'd have to pay for it, like oh. the ones that were pay-per-view. Wow. Uh, but it would show you the first few minutes. And I have a distinct memory of being really excited about seeing the first few minutes of that <laughs> thing you do. <laughs> now you got me excited. I want to see these first few minutes. <laughs> even really happens so you're going to be probably disappointed but I I do have that memory and then somewhere along the way I don't know if that was enough that my family saw that little clip yeah and then we rented it or what I genuinely don't know the first time I saw this movie I just don't really remember a time where I haven't seen this movie so, Makes sense. So this is why it's it's one that I've been wanting to get you to watch. Because, like I said, this one is beloved by my family. <laughs> mm, okay. Um, yeah. So being that you don't know a whole lot about it, yeah. we're just going to dive right into it. And uh, go watch that thing you do. And then we'll be right back. So we just watched that thing you do at long last, Trent. <laughs> I heard you laughing. Yeah. So what did you think? It was, it was good. Uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, it, it, hey, it, it was pretty much what I expected mm-hmm. uh, based on the little I knew about it. A um, lot, of, lot of people that I recognized, uh, fans of the series, will know uh, Giovanni Ribisi is still a threat. He, he was a threat Even in 1996. <laughs> he remains a threat. He remains a threat. Yet today. Um, yeah, I, I I can see why you like it. Mm-hmm. It is silly. It's very cute. It's a cute movie. <laughs> yeah, it's silly and it's cute. Uh, the, the characters are enjoyable, except for the one dude who turns out to be a jerk mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And it's very 60s. Yes. Yes. It is. It is a love letter yeah. to the 1960s and, and to the music. Band, yeah, to, and to those kinds of bands yeah. and how the bands form and become popular and... You know, the, the teenage girl sensations and things like that. Well, yeah, so. this 1964, which is corresponding with the time that yeah. the Beatles were yeah. on the rise. And teens were at a... Teen music yeah. was at a fever pitch. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm going to show my ignorance here. I thought that thing you do was an actual 60s song. <laughs> you had heard this song before? Yeah. Of course I've heard this song before. It's Yeah. Yes, totally. But, but I, I legitimately thought, I mean, why, why wouldn't I? That it was that a real thing. it was a real thing. That just goes, from that era. That just goes to show you that it is an incredibly well-written song. Written by Adam, Adam Schlesinger. R.I.P. R.I.P., my friend. Yes. Yes, Adam uh, Schlesinger of Fountains of Wayne, for yeah. those of you who don't know. Yep. He also wrote... Uh, he did a ton of these projects where yeah. he wrote the songs and 
once you've heard his sound, once you've heard Fountains of Wayne, yeah. you hear this song and go, well, duh, that's Adam yeah. Schlesinger. Sure, sure, totally. um, he did a ton of music on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. He wrote the music in uh, Music and Lyrics, that Hugh Grant, Drew Barrymore movie, mm-hmm. amongst many other Very things. prolific outside yes. of Fountains of Wayne, of yes. course. Yes, he was nominated um, for Best Original Song at the Academy Awards for this. For this one, okay. He did not win. It but was a great song. Yeah. It's a, it, it is a great song. It remains to be a great song, even though we just listened to it about a dozen times. <laughs> okay, but did you actually find yourself getting sick of it? No, no. I mean, the, the movie is an hour and a half long, so. It's true. But they play that song at least seven times yeah. throughout this movie. And that just goes to show you, it is a good song because, yeah. one, you don't get sick of it. Yeah. And like you said... They played this on the radio. I remember hearing this when yeah. I was, you know, in middle school on the radio. Sure. They released this as a single. We yeah. talked about this a little bit in the Oscars special, I think, um, or we've just talked about it. Original song, original music from Oscar movies, from movies from in general. Soundtracks. Used to be huge. That's what you did. You you got yeah. a big artist and you wrote a big song mm-hmm. and you tacked it in the movie mm-hmm. and you tied the two things together. The cross promotion was insane. The only thing that that really happens with anymore are James Bond movies. Pretty much. And I mean that's been going on for decades now, and that's the about the only thing that is a predictable combination. Yeah. Of the movie comes out with the song yep. now. This recent movie that isn't even out yet. James Bond, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The song won a freaking Grammy before the movie was even out yet. It's true. So, Yeah, you know. and all the ones that got um, nominated this year, you don't hear those songs on the radio, typically. So it's it's even interesting to look back 25 years ago, that was still happening. And this yeah. was 96, and then in 97, you had a little movie called Titanic, yeah. where it happened again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's so delightful. I love this movie so much. <laughs> I can see how you and especially your family with a bunch of boys getting together and having having a, a silly time. Like this this guy Lenny who uh, played by Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn. Who is uh, originally from a place called Marshall, Minnesota, which is like 90 miles from here, from it's where true. we live. It's true. So that's pretty crazy. And the dude acts like he's actually from here. And there was one scene, you can probably <laughs> just recite it from memory. Which scene, Trent? <laughs> they're, at, they're at the state fair, and he's being interviewed by, I guess, the guy who's oh. running the state fair. And... <laughs> They're yeah. talking to him like, oh, yeah, you're, you're oh, down here I'm, to... I'm not with these fellas. I've got a pigging competition at the Livestock Pavilion, <laughs> and I am going to win that blue ribbon. <laughs> uh, it's just great. It's great. Um... If it, That is one that comes up very of often. Course, of course. Of course. Coming from a family that raises pigs. It's true. It's true. <laughs> you know, and it's funny. T- so going continuing to talk about Lenny as a character. Yeah. I was watching this movie. I was like, did I just watch this movie one too many times at 11 year old as a, at 11 years old? And Lenny is the foundation for my entire sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. Because I love that character. So he's such a goober. Like Tom yeah. Hanks refers to him. He's the fool in this yep, movie. Yep. 
But he's so funny. And I don't know if it's just because he's from Minnesota, he has that like Midwest charm. Uh-huh. He's got that aw shucks kind of a kind of a thing. You can't be mad at him. It's true. That and he has all thing. the best lines in the movie. He does. He he's does. just a horse's ass sometimes. <laughs> Uh, well, yes. I like Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> As he's looking up a girl's dress. Uh, Climbing on the cars for context. <laughs> yes. Well, that, hey, he's the one who said it. Come on, climb on the cop yeah, car. Get and on, you're coming you're with coming us. coming with us. <laughs> I also like the ending where it does the, 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 the animal house thing. of Where they are now. Where they are now. Yeah. Yeah. And again, again, I had to second guess myself. It's like, Wait, wait, this, this isn't real. This is still not real. This, this person, this person's name is the bass player. (laughs) T.B. Player. Did, so let me, I was, that was one of the things I wanted to bring up and see if you had picked up on it. So I got a little spoiled. I got a little spoiled because I looked at IMDb because we were looking, trying to look somebody up in the movie and I saw the credit to this guy was the bass player. So Ethan Embry's character yeah. is literally called the bass player. Had so if you hadn't seen that, had you noticed it in the movie? I, I noticed that they never they never, never gave him a name. name. Yeah, and I think that's just you know the trope of the one hit wonders. How many bands do yeah. you know where you can't name? anybody in the band let alone like the bass player yeah, yeah yeah the guy who plays bass you typically know one guy and it's the lead singer maybe you know one other player yeah. but you can't name everybody sure and especially with a band like this where they come out of nowhere they have one hit single and then they disappear and you never hear from them again yeah the name of the bass player is irrelevant yeah. so also I- the name of the band is the wonders yep as in, oh, one hit wonder. You caught that, did you, Trent? <laughs> you know, he said it while they were standing in that in that studio. It's like, that's I, the I name got of it. the movie. I got it. I got it. But yeah. It, yeah. Anyway. Um, so I did take a few notes, mainly in the first half of the movie. Yeah. Uh, I was very distracted by some of the, not, not so much cameos, but... Um, the people who I recognize. The plethora of actors yeah. that you know. Who are very young. Yeah. Very well, young. Because this is a movie that was made before several of them were well known. Yeah. Charlize Theron. This as is. As yeah. a blonde bimbo type uh, does not, not even, play. She's not even a bimbo. She's just kind of a bitch. <laughs> you know what? You know, speaking of that, uh, I totally got a Betty Draper vibe. Every time yep. she's on screen, yep. I think I'm looking at January Jones in Mad Men. Ten years before yeah, Mad Men. Right. Her her entire getup is exactly that. Yeah. Well, and she's, and she's she was even that age, or like made out to be that age. That's the era, and that's the type of character she is. Yes. She's she is just a disinterested girlfriend. You don't understand why these two are together. She clearly yeah. does not give two shits about his music. Not at all. Uh, but yes, this was the very first thing I saw her in. So whenever I say the thing I know her from, uh-huh. this is the thing I know Charlize <laughs> Theron from. And this is, I think, her first major movie. She had like two credits under Makes under sense. her belt before she made this. Yeah. And, and she's really only in like three scenes. She re- Yeah, she's not she a like huge a character. Lines. But she's Charlize, future Oscar winner, yeah. Charlize Theron, 1996. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
And then we got... She's gorgeous in it. She's so young yeah. and pretty. Yeah. She's still got her baby fat. She's, she know? plays a horrible character. Sure. <laughs> um and whatever who, who who cares what kind of a character she plays but <laughs> anyway so uh some more some more cameos uh uncle bob uncle bob uncle bob I is was chris waiting. isaac i was waiting so they didn't show him from the very front when they were in the church but then like after they recorded he started coming towards camera it's like wait wait <laughs> i know that guy correct he did a bad bad thing <laughs> <laughs> I hey I'm a I'm a fan of Chris Isaac, but of course back in 1996, Chris Isaac been, was huge. He would have been a big deal huge. in those days. Uh, Brian Cranston. Yeah, Brian being, Cranston. The only thing people probably would have seen him in at that point was Seinfeld. He was in I some suppose, episodes of Seinfeld. I suppose, yeah. But it's before Malcolm in the Middle. Yep. Yep. Well before Breaking Bad. Uh-huh. Uh huh. We got a couple of actors that were in other Tom Hanks things, like the dude who plays the first manager yep uh was in uh, apollo 13 so that was one thing i was gonna bring up was this is it's always fun to watch movies like this where it's clearly like somebody's directorial debut or it's their baby in some capacity because <laughs> they a, get all their friends they get all their friends so yeah it's, in this it's movie, a fucking adam sandler movie yeah so in this movie you had the first manager he was in apollo 13 yeah you had um clint howard yep. Who's in Apollo 13. Uh-huh. You had... Um, Always game for right. any little part that you want to throw at You, him. of course, had two of Tom Hanks's children. Uh-huh. So his daughter was um, a bored-looking girl in the dress shop. And then Colin... Dress shop. So right before you saw Colin Hanks, yeah. Colin Hanks is oh, yeah. escorting her sure. up the stairs. Yeah, yeah. And she was going out to buy a dress. Okay, and she's yeah. buying a dress. There's a girl, like, yawning in the background. Fine. That's his daughter. Okay. Okay. You got Rita Wilson, uh-huh. who's, of course, his wife of uh-huh. the past 30-plus years. Uh-huh. And then... Who else? Um, in when they're filming the movie, when they're in the beach movie, yeah, the woman who plays Anita is also in Apollo thirteen. Mm. <laughs> um, and then Peter Scolari was on yeah. Bosom Buddies, which was Tom Hanks' first big breakthrough thing. Jeez. So yeah, this movie is just packed it's with very all much, his friends. Yeah, it's very much uh, Tom Hanks's friends. Oh yeah. So I'm sure there's and more, know, and that's and, and that's fine. I mean, uh, they're they're bit parts. Yeah. Uh, there are parts that could or could not have been included in most cases. Sure. But somebody had to play them for yeah. some of them. So it's like, well, why not just call your friend, yeah. Peter Scolari? Hey, <laughs> this is my first time. They're not giving me a huge budget. I'm putting my name on this everywhere. My name is Tom Hanks. Have you heard of me? <laughs> um, I have two Academy Awards. And keep that in mind, contextually, yeah. this is like a year, two years after he had been on a streak, he had won two mm-hmm. Best Actor awards two years in a row. So that was for. So he won in Forrest Gump for Philadelphia and Philadelphia and Forrest Gump. Yeah. Yeah. So first Philadelphia, then Forrest Gump, and then like two years later he made and this, this movie. And this is this is him trying to foray his his way back into comedic things, I, mm-hmm. I suppose. Yeah. Because since then, I mean, I'm trying to think what else. What else has Tom Hanks done since this that you would be that would that you would consider comedy other than David S. Pumpkins? You've got mail. Uh, okay, romantic comedies. Yes, okay. he's okay. done some rom coms. All right. Um, I'd have to go through the the long list of things he's made in the last twenty five years, but yeah, he's made 
he tends to make more dramas than comedies, These which days, is of course. which is weird because he's a very very funny man. Yeah, he's very funny. He wrote this movie too. Did yeah. you catch yeah, that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, so all of that stupid stuff that you laugh at. <laughs> <laughs> that came from his brain. Yeah. You know? So you got to appreciate yeah. the man. Totally. Tom Hanks is a funny but, dude. But he hasn't done it again. And yeah. I don't know if that's because this was just like his brainchild. This was his big dream. Um, or he just hasn't. Yeah, he just grew up. Yeah, he just hasn't gotten anything else off yeah. the ground or what? Because, you know, anybody would be willing to make a Tom Hanks movie if he asked. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> He's Tom Hanks, guys. Yeah. I would like to see him in another comedy. Put him and Steve Martin and maybe another older dude like that okay. in in a comedy together yep. and have it be one last hurrah. Mm-hmm. So uh, another actor you remarked on how young they are is Liv Tyler. Uh-huh. She a baby. Again, I was thinking about context here. Um, she and Ethan Embry were both in Empire Records, and that was like the same year this came out. Okay. Um and, you know, a year later she was making, or two years later, Armageddon. Uh-huh. You know, she was a 90s, 90s heartthrob. Yeah. You know, this is right, peak Liv Tyler right hey, here. Hey, hey, <laughs> me, me being uh, a little boy in the 90s, I had a thing for Liv Tyler, guys. You and every boy in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, um, I, I wasn't that much into, like, Alicia Silverstone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Liv Tyler was more of my speed. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because you had a thing for the blondes when you were like seven or eight yep, years old. Sure I did. <laughs> You're into the brunettes now, though. The curly brunettes. To give you a little context, because I know that you are not super into like the very nuanced history of the Beatles. No. Um, there's the scene near the end of the movie where they're on the Hollywood showcase mm-hmm. and it flashes on the screen, careful girls, he's engaged. Yep. So that is a direct reference to when the Beatles made their debut on the Ed Sullivan show. All right. So it said, it's a George, Ringo, yeah. Paul, and it's a John, careful girls, he's married. Because at the time, John Lennon was in his first marriage. Hmm. And it's one of those references that I don't think I understood in 1996 because why would I Uh but have since come to realize that oh okay that is a very direct I'm literally ripping this off and putting it in here another love note to the 60s as you were as it were um but yeah just a fun little nugget for you okay that is straight from the Ed Sullivan show Hmm. and the Beatles I mean everything in this movie is a is a um is a reference to everything else from that era. Oh, sure. You know, there were so many different copycats of the Beatles Mm -hmm. uh, back then, and everybody wanted to cash in and find the next Beatles. Yep. Well, and then in this this, uh, movie, they have a lot of... They, they have the Playtone Galaxy of Stars, and all of those performers are... You could find a reference point for each of yeah. them. The guy who sings Mr. Downtown, yeah. you know, the big, the big band yeah. uh, kind of... That jacket he's wearing, the blue with the black velvet lapels. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the diva who's, you know, aging out. And uh-huh. the, the uh, girl group that, yep. that they're yep. in uh together but yeah they there's like reference points for all of those bands for the 60s and they're all kind of different kinds of music yeah. but they're all like the early 60s 
uh, and the wonders are the new 60s. Mm-hmm. So they're well, kind they, of the they, They've got the short hair, and yeah. they all, they're, they're, they're like the bad boy. Like one of them is the bad boy because he wears sunglasses. Shades! He's shades! He's shades. <laughs> Put on your shades. Give them what they want. <laughs> <laughs> Which just goes to show you how manufactured all that bullshit is. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. But well, that's the, the whole thing about, especially in those days, the record labels. Like, the Jimmy... The, the, the lead singer, he literally quits the band because he doesn't understand that he's not going to just get creative control. In the 60s, you didn't do that. No. Never. They like, need even, to market you. Yeah. So now you might be able to record your own music when you have a record contract. But yeah. back in those days, you sang the songs they told you to sing. Uh-huh. It was very, even very Even if you rare. got a writing credit, you yeah. wrote the songs that they wanted you to write mm-hmm. the kinds of songs you need to have this many uh, upbeat uh, upbeat songs and you'll have a ballad you're have these this many ballads you're going to have this acoustic song yep. or you're going to do this cover yep you know that it was out of your control and it's not to say every record label was like that but a lot of them were the ones that were manufacturing them uh-huh. the ones that are that were successful yep and we had that even in the 90s. Like, look at all the pop oh, yeah. groups that we had. Oh, yeah. Like, it, O-Town. They literally had a show called Making the Band, where yep. they're like, we are going to find this Literally groups. manufacture this band, the songs, and everything. Yeah, And, and you're was, going to love them. And, you know, it kind of worked. It did. Well, and that was after the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. NSYNC yep. and the Backstreet Boys were created. They yeah. were not yeah. guys who found each other on the street. It's the no. Spice Girls. No. Simon Cowell yeah. handpicked five girls yep. in their 20s and yep. said, you will now be a pop group. People might not know that, but You're Simon, welcome. Yes, Simon Cowell is responsible for the Spice Girls. And say what you will about Simon Cowell, but thank you for the Spice Girls. <laughs> <laughs> They're delightful. <laughs> but yeah, I, I happened, got nothing against the Spice that Girls. That happened all the time. You know, you sing the songs. We yeah. tell you, you're talented. But you're going to put on the clothes we tell you, and you're going to play at the place we tell you, and sing the songs okay. we tell you. Okay, I did write another thing down. The suits they wore. The suits are snappy. The suits are fucking sharp. <laughs> uh, especially the the red suits that they that they wore you, the, you uh, the first look, concert. You boys look good in red. Have I told you that? <laughs> what about gold? What about black? They look good in black. And yeah. they, go, good, they all look good in gold. And that's another reference to the Beatles and a lot of those other bands. They wore yeah. matching suits. Sure. It's their uniform, as yep. it were. And they all wore suits. Yeah. Because they were good boys. They were good boys. Except yeah. except for Guy. No, he's yeah. not. <laughs> Shades. Shades. <laughs> yeah, while we're talking about that, that's... Um, that's the uh, costuming for you. The costuming is really good in this. This is Colleen Atwood. If you know any modern costume designer, it is Colleen Atwood. She is the go-to for people like Tim Burton. She's done like every Tim Burton movie for the last like 30 years. Hmm. She did Chicago. She did um, Memoirs of a Geisha. She did... Uh, Anything that's super flashy. Oh my gosh. They're, she makes beautiful, beautiful costumes. And this one's really interesting because they're really more subdued. Like a lot of those examples I gave, they're like Tim Burton. Yeah. They're over the top, exaggerated costumes. Totally. Um, this one is very grounded in history. Yeah. 
but they work really well. Like you, you said those, those suits are sharp. Yeah. Yeah. Woman has like 12 Academy Award nominations and she's won four. Yeah. Like if you know any costume designer, it's Colleen Atwood. Even if you don't know that you know her. I don't. (laughs) Yeah. But I will tell you, if you've seen a Tim Burton movie, you know her costumes, you know her work. Cool. Uh, (laughs) I, I wrote one quote that I thought was just the funniest thing. And I know you laughed at it. <laughs> it's just the beginning of the quote, but you know the rest. A man in a really nice camper and dot, yep. dot, dot is yep. the rest. Are you kidding me? A man in a really nice camper wants to put a song on the radio. <laughs> Give me a pen. I'm signing. You're, we're, you're, we're all signing. Dude, dude is in a pickup camper yep. on the side of a road. In Erie, Pennsylvania. I've been in a pickup camper. You can't get five people in a pickup camper. They did it, though. They did it. Jesus. And then they show it rocking as they're trying to move yeah. around. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, Lenny's hilarious. There's so many good one-liners in this movie. Yeah. And just the stu- like. When they're at Villa Pianos, the spaghetti place that's going out of business near the airport. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, do you know what that is? Presidential flashcards? That's a bonus. <laughs> do you know why? I have no idea. <laughs> as you can tell, ladies and gentlemen, I have seen this movie many, 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 many times. As I stated at the beginning, uh-huh. this movie is beloved. I, I got that. In my I, family. I think the entire audience knows... <laughs> Betsy really likes this movie. You know, it's a good thing you haven't haven't uh, made it this long without seeing The Mummy because it would be a lot worse. Oh God! You, you think I know the dialogue? You would have to... chained me to to the couch to make me watch The Mummy. <laughs> uh huh. It's true. But if you think I know all the dialogue from that thing, you do. You haven't seen <laughs> me watch The Mummy. <laughs> Talking to the audience here. I we've seen The Mummy together. We have. It's glorious. It's, it's so great. Good. I love it's the so mummy. good. Betsy has a bit of an obsession. Shut up. uh, Shut up. The mummy. 90s Brendan Fraser. Everything about it. (laughs) Everything about it. I love the mummy. Shut up. (laughs) It is a perfect movie. It it is very good. It's funny and it's action packed. And that is not what you're talking about. We are talking about that thing you do. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. So what did you think of the rest of the music in this movie? I thought it was good. I wish I would have been able to hear more of it. Because mm-hmm. uh, you don't get the whole songs most of the time. No, no. And so you hear that thing you do. You hear like one other kind of faster paced song. You hear maybe one ballad in there. Yep. I think there's only like three or four at most. Uh, I think you hear... I think, like, yeah, three of their songs. Yeah. The songs that are supposed to be by the Wonders. Yeah. And then everything else is is another band. So what's the soundtrack like? It's everything that you heard, pretty much. It's, okay. It's... Nothing extra. Um... Like, did they make a song so, that didn't make it into the movie? Well, they play... So, like, there's the song playing in the credits. There's kind of, like, a variation of that thing you do. So, like, okay. Adam Schlesinger wrote multiple versions of that thing you do. Of course he did. And so this is the one that made the movie and got nominated for an Oscar. But over the credits, there's kind of a slower alternate version. And he wrote that one, too. <laughs> the one that Jimmy intended. 
Yeah, basically, <laughs> basically. But that one's still good. Yeah. Um, but they have like all of the Playtone stars. Mm-hmm. All of those songs are on the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, and Playtone's a real thing, isn't it? Uh, no, Playtone is now Tom Hanks's production company. I know I've seen that before. Okay. So Playtone is Playtone responsible. Playtone is a real thing. Yes. But it's not what. Okay. All yes, right. Playtone is responsible for such gems as. My big fat Greek wedding. Oh. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah, okay. because Rita Wilson saw My Big Fat Greek Wedding when it was a one woman show, and she dragged Tom Hanks along and said, "You need to make this into a movie." <laughs> and they saw it like a dozen times between them or something. Welcome to movie trivia with Betsy. It's true. I I watch <laughs> a lot of movies and I know a lot of things about a lot of random stuff. And I'm sorry, it's just what my how my brain works. Yes. But yeah, Playtone. After this movie, he turned it into his production company. So okay. I don't. I know he's produced a lot of movies under that name. I can't think of another one off the top of my head, mm-hmm. but I do know that he has produced things as Playtone, and it's always like a record label in the in the image in yeah. the title card. All right, um, I'm going to tell you my favorite moment in the movie. Okay. It is near the beginning when their song is. Is gonna be played on the radio. Oh, the first time. The for for the first time. Yeah. They're all kind of listening. They all got their very 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 early Walkmans. Uh, their their little transistor radios is yeah. what they are. Yeah. Yeah. Just listening to random stations of uh, from where they live, switching between them and seeing who plays it and who plays it first. <laughs> and I think it was Liv Tyler who first heard it and she starts screaming <laughs> was what was she doing like shopping she was, somewhere she was putting stamps she was licking that's stamps. right she was gonna mail some stuff whatever that was she yep, was licking, she's stamps. licking stamps and putting them on the letter and then dropping them in and the as mailbox. the song came on i thought she was gonna like swallow one of the stamps because it was in on her tongue yep um she could... starts screaming and almost forgets to put the mail in the box. And she goes to run over and, and, and meets up with uh, the bass player. Yeah. Just happens to run into him. Just happens to run into him at the recruitment station, it looks like. Uh, I don't know if it's the recruitment station or it's just the army surplus store. I think it's the okay. surplus store. Okay. Well, it was a, a military store. Yeah. He comes out in his little military jacket. And like he's also listen, uh, uh, waiting to listen to it. And she's screaming. That they're playing it, and they they get together and run down to the and appliance he's store. And he starts screaming and running down the street. They start screaming and getting to the appliance store. Just a normal, you know, like Saturday morning. Regular people are in there shopping and doing whatever. Guys explaining the colors of the the washing machines. Like it comes in white, comes in beige and white, avocado, avocado, (laughs) and these two. These two maniacs come rushing in, screaming their damn heads off, <laughs> and Guy starts screaming as well, and they start turning on all of the different radios in yep. the place, and his dad is being crazy. Oh, Confused, oh like, what is happening? Yeah, like, how, how dare you come into my store you and, young and use my electricity to, to play your rock record? That is a very expensive store display. <laughs> Man, and then the other two just stop the car in the middle of the road. Right, they right. don't even park. They just they get just, out. They just they drive all the way over there, stop the car, get out, and start jumping around and dancing around and 
throughout the entire length of the song. This is a genuine reaction. Like, I've heard many people who are musicians who are really well-known now talking about the first time they heard their song on the radio. It is something you don't comprehend, like, how it's going to Until it happens to you. And people, like, start crying. They have to pull the car over. They start screaming. They get on the phone. And I think that's, that's why... I think it was my favorite moment because uh-huh. it seems very genuine because yeah. these are all kids. Yeah, they're like 20 years old. Yeah. And the radio in the mid-60s, huge. That was where, huge. yeah. Yeah. That was everything. In yeah. those days, the radio was everything. The The entirety, like all of the music in so, again, history lesson for you. So, the Beatles and a lot of those guys, the Rolling Stones, etc., those bands, they would pick up, like, one American radio station. There was one that if you had, like, the, the good radio and you were in the right spot and you tuned in at the right time of day, you could hear American rock and roll. And it was hard to get, but it was so impactful that it was completely formative it was a formative experience for yeah. all those bands the yeah, beatles the, the, the did rock it. and roll of the late 50s yeah you know the, them hearing what americans were doing and they started to imitate that yeah. and start their own start their own stuff post world war ii yeah. american rock and roll yeah. was a big big deal yeah. and then all the bands that turned around and made their own music because of it they're all the bands that are legends now. Yeah. They're legends. And that's all because of the radio. Yeah. This dinky little... For, it's on sale now, fourteen ninety five. <laughs> Buy this clock, clock radio. Clock radio. <laughs> and a couple of... Uh... Uh, record, needles. record needles. You gotta buy two record needles and this clock radio. <laughs> Why don't you throw in a washing machine, too? <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's a big experience for any band. Yeah. Like, I've, I've not been in... I was in a band for, like, two minutes. Uh, we never performed anywhere together. <laughs> we did never get off the ground. Um, but if I were in a position that my music was played on the radio, I, too, would flip out. Yeah. That would be a big deal. Even if it was one time. Like He's like, they played it three times this afternoon. <laughs> it's you know, local radio, sure. Yeah. But it's a big deal. Yeah. 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 The, the, the local DJ who knew your band's name and said, hey, these guys are local. Hey, they're going to be down at the Italian restaurant tonight. Yep. Go down there. And what I also loved was the transition of that restaurant from a stuffy old person Italian restaurant where you can get pasta and pizza near the airport, near the airport, where you can hear the planes going overhead Mm -hmm. to to converting that into a young person's bar hangout spot where the owner makes a ton of money because a bunch of kids are coming in, coming there and that is the transition of the 60s. Mm-hmm. Young people start to become marketable. Yeah. We just uh, we just got done watching Mad Men, just to, to yeah. talk about something that we had never seen. We just uh, stopped watching Mad Men, and one of the executives there really got the idea of marketing to teenagers mm-hmm. because these guys are They're a huge... The future. These guys are a huge demographic. They have money. They are up on the times. They stick with pop culture. Mm -hmm. Pop culture wasn't a huge thing before the teenagers of the 60s. Yep. 
and we got television who that, that is everywhere. Color television. Everyone has a TV. Everyone now. has one now. Guess what? How do you market to these kids? Yeah, that's that was a huge, huge deal uh, for that. So yeah, I don't know, man. I like that movie. I'm really glad you liked this one <laughs> because you were laughing. So I was like, okay, I know he's at least enjoying well, of it. Of course, you know the stuff I like. I know. And this this is one I don't, I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen this movie. I have well lost count. It's, okay. But it's been many years. Okay, tell, tell me this. Now that, now that I've seen it, um, is there a thing that you can point to here that, that really speaks to you, that really makes you like, I, I, I think I know but like what resonates with me yeah is, is there like one thing what's your favorite part what is the thing that you always run, uh, go back to i would say it's the humor and the soundtrack okay like this movie wouldn't work if the music wasn't good yeah if you're, you you're didn't, right if you didn't have really really great music and here's the thing about it i don't think there's any uh music in this that wasn't written for this movie. Even the very beginning song that's like, you got me all tied up in nuts and just loving you lots and lots. They wrote that for this movie. <laughs> but they wrote genre-specific mu- music that you would have heard yeah. on the radio. Yeah. And it's through the whole movie. Everything the Playtone people sing, mm-hmm. they wrote that for this movie. That thing you do and all the songs for the wonders, they wrote all that for this movie. And that's why I have this soundtrack. I love the music in this movie. Yeah. I just think, it, like you said, you thought it was a real thing. I legitimately did. <laughs> it was not. It was written by Adam Schlesinger in 1996 specifically for the purpose of this film. But yeah, that's nuts. between this and it's a, it's just cute. Yeah. It is a cute, funny movie. And, you know, Steve's on. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn is is He's I an think underrated actor, yeah, and Steve I wish Zahn he was, was my in favorite more. part of this movie. He he now lives in Lexington, Kentucky, apparently, and I only know this because my brother recently moved away from there. But while ah. he was living there, he heard from all the people who lived there. Oh yes, Steve Zahn. He lives on a farm like around here somewhere. <laughs> And I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> it means you can just go and knock on Steve Zahn's door? If you knew where he lived. But yeah, he lives this just like quiet little existence now. He doesn't, it's not that he doesn't act. He just doesn't act as much as he did from like 96 to 2004. Yeah. Like he was in a ton of stuff in that era. Hey, you but, make your money and you go away. Yeah. This was the first thing I saw Char- Charlize Theron in. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was probably the first thing I saw Liv Tyler in. This is the first thing I saw... Uh, Ethan Embryon, Colin and Hanks, Colin Hanks, and <laughs> Jonathan Shake, and uh, uh, the lead, Tom Everett Scott. Yeah. Um, the only other stuff. So you had said, who is this guy? Who do I know him from? I was trying to think about that. Uh, he was in a movie not long after this with, um, <laughs> I think it's the guy from Safe by the Bell. I don't know. So he was in a movie not long after this one uh, that was semi-popular. Um, I can't remember what it was like. Kind of a horror movie, slasher movie, I think. Uh, thriller. And then he has a very small part in La La Land. He's the guy that... You're talking about the main character? Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. He's the guy that Emma Stone is with. 
at the end of La La Land, her okay. like husband or whatever he is. Okay. Which I thought, which for me, okay, again, yeah. I find amusing, and you might find amusing now that they go to a jazz club. I, I was just gonna say, <laughs> I was just gonna that that was the last thing I'm gonna I was gonna say here. Of the past, oh, let's say five years of movie watching we've been doing, I have been introduced to a whole lot of jazz. A whole lot of jazz. A whole lot of jazz. <laughs> Between this movie, La La Land, yeah. and Whiplash, there's been a whole lot of jazz. Like serious jazz. Yeah, like intense, intense jazz. And I'm not really a jazz fan. I appreciate jazz from afar. But damn it, are those, those some impressive... Uh, uh, musicians. I guess we're going to have to watch Soul next. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> if we want to keep going down this road. I, I'm, I'm into it. Academy Award winning soundtrack for Soul. Yeah. And those of you who have been following along, we, we just finished our, our Oscar series. And, you know, going into, going into, you know, the meat and potatoes of what this podcast is going to be. You know, it's, it's going to be a big transition for us. Because, you know, we're going from doing these serious Oscar movies where there's a lot of accolades being given out and everybody's talking about them. Going back to, hey, remember this music movie that Tom Hanks did in 1996? Remember this movie that nobody ever heard about but you really like for some reason? I like the transition that we're going through right now <laughs> because I can, I can, I can not have to pay attention to you know, the filmmaker's intentions and the acting premise of this person. <laughs> no, I, I just get to sit back and, and, and enjoy a movie with my wife. Yeah. So it was, it's like I said, it's a cute movie. It's a fun movie. It's a nice way to spend an evening. You don't have to analyze it. You don't have to think about it. It's just. Don't have to analyze it. Betsy, we've been talking for 45 minutes. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean like the, the metaphor of what does that drumming mean? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he play this note here? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But, but yeah, so moving forward, this is going to be more in line with what we're thinking we'll yeah. do. And it's just going to be whatever we feel like watching right. at that moment. Right. And, and we're going to have we're going to have Oscar movies and dramas and stupid action movies and westerns and musical sort of movies from the 90s. Yeah. For instance, this movie is a movie that I hadn't seen. Yep. Uh next time, we're going to see a movie that Betsy hasn't seen. It's true. No previews. You don't get to know yet. <laughs> it's um, coming. It's coming. Uh, and then after that, I don't really know. We'll yeah. uh, we'll see what we decide. But I will tell you, we've hinted at this before. If you've been a uh, loyal listener so far, uh, we're going to start up with another series of movies. Sooner rather than later. Sooner rather than later. Probably starting up, oh, middle of May, maybe. We'll maybe. see. But um, we're going to start up with another series that I know... I know you guys are going to enjoy it because I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, you're going to love I'm it. I'm also going to be present. You're going to love it. <laughs> but yeah, so there you go. That's that thing you do. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be back sooner rather than later with another film. But Trent, in the meantime, tell the people, as you always do, 
How do they find us? We want to hear from the people. What do you? What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? Yeah. Have you seen this movie? Have you seen that thing you do? If you have not, explain to me who you are, and I will rectify the situation. <laughs> She'll send you the disc in the mail. <laughs> Believe me, she will. Though if you've gotten this far, God, I hope you've you've seen that thing you do. <laughs> hey, I haven't. Uh, but yeah, you, uh, reach out to us. Uh, Twitter page is uh, at neverseenit underscore pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can email us at neverseenit at... Oh, wait. You can email us at neverseenitpod at gmail.com. Is that it? Have you got it? I got it. Okay. So there you go. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Never Seen It. I'm Betsy. And I'm Trent. And we love you. You're wonderful. Bye. Bye.